are in the middle of a series called You Choose. And this series is where you have helped me create sermons on different topics. So last week, we talked about people. If you missed last week, it's up on our uh, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, our website. Uh, You can go back and listen to it about how to deal with people, what God's Word says about dealing with people, relationships, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Next week, I'm excited because next week we've got a couple of young communicators that are going to be uh, joining me on stage and speaking. We've got uh, Sean, Sky, and Cole that are going to be joining us on stage. And uh, what we did was we had so many topics that we're going to give. They're going to take five to seven minutes, and they each got a topic that they're going to preach on. Um, And I I get super excited to share the stage with our young communicators, and I know that they're getting a little nervous, but you got this. Um, And so uh, they're going to do an amazing job. But this week, I got uh, a couple of topics that I kind of put together. And my message this morning is titled, Seek First. Now, this was the very first scripture that I ever memorized, Matthew 6, 33. Um, We got challenged back in the day, you know, it was all the rage to memorize scripture, and you'd get points at youth group for it, and then we'd go to, like, church camp, and you'd get points for it. And can I tell you, like, listen, this may sound like no hate, like, you should memorize scripture. Memorize it for the right reason, because we memorized it for points, and I guarantee you the next day, I forgot all about that scripture. Uh, But this one has stuck with me because it stuck with me. Okay, this one wasn't because somebody gave me points. This wasn't because somebody told me. It was one that I read, and I was like, "Oh, that's a game changer." One of the and, and I posted this on Instagram last night as I was studying. Uh, I posted this this, say, this saying: "One of the greatest tools of the enemy is busyness, followed by worry. Busyness followed by worry." Even as I say the word busyness, you think about what the week holds, your checklist, what you got to get done uh, before tomorrow starts, whether it's for work or whether it's for school. You got to got to get laundry done, got to go to the Walmart, got to, and it is the Walmart, okay? We know that. Uh, and, and you know, Junior's like, what? Because uh, listen, there's nowhere else to go, and everybody meets each other on Sunday afternoons. Listen, my wife knows better than to send me to Walmart on a Sunday afternoon, because she'll send me for three things, and I'll run into 500 people. Okay, and I'm the last person because I will stop and talk with you. My wife, she'll act like she don't know you. She'll, right? Like she'll head down unless you say Stephanie, and then she'll give you the oh hey. And listen, okay, and I, and I do have to say this because I'm not like not picking on her, picking on her. But listen, if you drive by her and you wave and she doesn't wave back, it's not because she's mad. She literally doesn't see you. Okay, so so don't ever be offended if you're like, I waved at you, Stephanie. She didn't see you. Okay, I'm just letting you know. Okay, where I'm looking around, I'm like, hey, everywhere I go is like cheers. Okay, Um, and and so but it is it's because we get so busy, we get tunnel vision and we get worried and stressed. This week, I want to address what it means to put God first. Uh, I got two cards specifically, and I want to share with you what they said so that you know where I was starting with. The two cards that people wrote specifically said, putting God first in the, or putting God in the center of your life, relationships, family, friendships. And another said, how do we stay consistent? What kind of tips, practical things can you do to stay consistent in your faith walk? 
So that's what we're going to dive into this morning is, is we're going to talk about what it means to put God first, what it looks like, and then, because I love practicality. I love, don't give me this amazing rah-rah moment, and then don't tell me how to do it. Don't give me tips or, or, or you know, things that I can put into practice, practicality. Uh, Brian Houston used to say it this way, I don't want to preach to your Sunday. We all, all of our Sundays look pretty, right? We get dressed, we want to go to church, we put the Jesus face on. I want to preach to your Wednesday when it's tough. I want to preach to your Friday when you've been had a long week. I want something that you can hold on to that you can put into to practice in your life. Listen, religion creates a rigid checklist, got to do, I've got to do, I've got to, if I didn't read my Bible enough, if I didn't pray hard enough, if I didn't do this enough, if I didn't worship, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't get into a Bible study, maybe I didn't do this. Religion creates a rigid checklist, but relationship creates healthy habits that change your life. Okay? Religion creates a rigid checklist. I must do this in order for God to be pleased with my life. Relationship creates healthy habits, things that I want to do. Okay? Habits are something that have just been ingrained in us. We have created these things that have become such a natural part of our lives. So I want to read not just Matthew 6, 33. I want to read Matthew 6, but I want to read 25 through 34. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. You can follow along uh, on, on the screens because uh, your Bible is probably going to say something a little bit different than what my, mine will say. So it says this. This is why I tell you never... Be worried about your life. How many right there, when you hear the word never be worried, you're like, see, the Bible's just a bunch of lies. Never be worried. Okay? We're, we're going to look at that and what that means, right? Never be worried about your life, for all you need will be provided, such as food and water and clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Consider the birds. Do you think that they worry about their existence? I can tell you that they don't. They sit there and chirp at you until you throw food at them. They don't plant or reap or store up food. Your heavenly Father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your Father than they? So which of you, by worrying, could add anything to your life? And why would you worry about your clothing? Look at the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work or toil, and yet not even Solomon in all of his splendor was robed in beauty like one of these. So if God has clothed the meadow with hay, which here is here for such a short time and then dried up and burned, won't he provide for you the clothes you need, you of little faith? So then forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For that is what the unbeliever chases after. Doesn't your heavenly father already know the things your body requires? So above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. So here, here, I want to I put the, the precursor out there. It's not that we don't worry. It's that worry doesn't take hold. You, you can't control that initial thought. Oh my gosh, I, I didn't do this on my checklist. Oh, I didn't get this taken care of. Oh, I did. It, the initial thought you can't necessarily control, but you can control what you do after the initial thought. When the worry tries to set in, do I allow it to take root and set up shop inside of my life and my thought process to the point to where it controls my next actions and my next thoughts? 
And that's why when the Bible says, you know, never worry, pray often, it's not that it's saying that you won't have the thoughts. It's not saying that you won't have those moments. It's not saying that you won't go through hectic times. It's just saying that when you do, what you do next is vitally important. Because you can either give it to Jesus or you can try to do it on your own. You can give it to Jesus or you can try to manipulate the circumstances to create an outcome which never end up going well. So I've really got two main thoughts this morning. The first one is this, kingdom mindset, kingdom lifestyle. You want to talk about putting God first, then it can't just come on Sunday morning. It can't just come two hours out of your week. I used to do youth ministry for 15-ish years or whatever. And, and, and parents would be like, we send our, our kid to youth group. We don't understand why they don't love Jesus. Like, I got them for an hour and a half every week. If they were really good students, I got them for maybe three or four because they went to a Bible study or I had leadership class that I would do with them. But like, let's just say like the best students in the group, I got them for like four or five hours a week. They watch, on average, teenagers watch between six and eight hours of media every day. Who do you think has more influence? And really, as adults, we're not much better. If you got an iPhone, all you have to do is get, get on your iPhone right now and go check your weekly average, your daily average of hours that you spent on your phone this week. Now, compare that to your daily average that you spent with Jesus. And, and I'm not saying that to be like rude or crude or mean, but, but the reality is, is that when we look at it and we go, well, I don't understand. I go to church every week. Church is the, like, the cherry on top of your Christianity. It is where we come together. We gather as, as brothers and sisters. We worship a little bit. We can encourage with the word. We maybe hang out and talk a little bit. But if this is the epitome of how you grow, you will be hungry for the rest of your life. It's like looking at those poor dogs in the street and they're so skinny and, and malnourished and, and you throw them something thinking that it helps, but you know they're like, that won't even start to suffice my hunger. We come to church and we think, oh, pastor, that was a good message. Oh, that really hit. But if you don't follow it up with something Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then all you've done is you've gotten enough to, to feel connected, but not enough to actually grow and be satisfied in your faith. So you can't ask, how do I put God first and have a kingdom lifestyle if your mindset isn't set on God, if worry takes control over God if worry or fear or whatever that is takes control or busyness, and I think busyness really is one of the biggest tools of the enemy because you could love Jesus and get busy and just forget about everything. Man, we haven't seen you in church in a few weeks. I sent a, a few text messages out uh, a couple weeks ago to some people that we've been missing. It's summertime. We get it. Everybody's gone and doing their thing. And, but just saying, hey, love you, miss you. And some of them responded, some of them didn't, but it's just that busyness, right? You get out of a habit and you create new habits. And so when, when you create new habits, are they better for you or are they worse for you? And so my, my goal here this morning is to say, if you want a God-first lifestyle, you have to have a God-first mindset. And, and, and so you can't think that your actions will change first. Your mindset has to. How you think dictates what you do. 
okay? What you think on is what you will act on. When you stress and worry about life and the problems and tomorrow, guess what the focus and the, is on your life? It's the, all the, the struggles. It's all the things. It's the things that will steal your present time and energy. Your struggles, if you give them a, a place at the table to be, to be the forefront of your thought, they will steal your present time and energy. How many have ever gotten up and you're like, I'm going to be productive today? And then you start thinking about all the things that have to get done, and you say, never mind, grab me some ice cream and a Netflix. Because it stresses you out. How many have ever heard the, the silly saying, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Which sounds really crazy, because who's eating an elephant? That's, I'm like, I don't know, like, I know how I'd eat a cow one bite at a time. But I'm not trying to eat an elephant. But it's just one, like, if it's overwhelming, it's huge. Just one, one little thing. And the enemy wants you to go, hey, no, 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 no. You can't even, how are you ever going to change your life? Look at all that's wrong with you. Look at all your failures and mistakes in, in, in life. How do you suppose that you are going to go about fixing that? See, the, the emphasis that the enemy will try to put on it is, how are you going to fix you? And the answer is, you tell them, I'm not. I'm just going to be present in God's presence for him to fix me, for him to have his voice, for him to be able to speak life into my circumstances. In order to put God first, you must think and focus on God things and produce a kingdom mindset. How do you do that? Philippians 4, 8 says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Some of y'all need to take that list right there, and you need to tape it to your mirror. You need to put it as the front screen of your cell phone. So every time you get a text message, or every time you see something on Facebook, or every single time somebody makes a phone call, or every morning you wake up and the enemy goes, you can't do it. You're going to look at that, and you're going to go, I'm going to think on whatever is true and right and pure and holy and admirable. Because that's what my father thinks of me. And because he thinks that of me, I'm going to think that of the purpose he has given my life. And it goes on to say, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. In other words, I'm going to put worship at the forefront of my life so that God is the forefront focus of my every day. This doesn't mean you wake up every morning and have a full-blown worship service. You could. Maybe that's who you are. Maybe you get up early enough to where you spend some time. And I've got a buddy in California. He wakes up every morning. He gets, I kid you not, if he, I've, I've seen the pictures of his, uh, his table. And he'll typically have a, two different Bibles of two different translations. And then he has uh, his notebook. And then he typically has another like study notebook. And he spends an hour and a half before he goes to work. He works. He's, he's like 68 or something like that. And he has read through the Bible every year for like the past 11 years. He gets up every morning. Listen, do you think year one was easy? No. It's hard. But he created a habit and he stuck with it. And he said, I'm going to get through the Bible this year. And then when that year came at the end, he said, you know what? I'm going to do the same thing and I'm going to do it the same. I'm going to do the same way next year. And so the next year he did the same thing. And then, and every year he's just like, and every year he gets something new out of what he's reading because he's not doing it because he has to. He's doing it because he wants to. 
And so there's no cookie cutter way of studying or being in God's presence or, or setting your day, but there has got to be a point of your life that says, I am going to start to give God the fixing of my thoughts and the forethought of my energy. It's not that you don't have worries or other thoughts, but when God is first and he's your standard, everything else runs through him. He's your spiritual buffer. Everything. Finances, relationships, friendships, coworkers, what you watch, what you listen to, what everything. Now, mind you, I, and I think when we say that, sometimes we, we get so, okay, so I'm going to go to my closet, and God, what do you want me to wear today? Okay, people, listen. If it's modest and, it's, and it looks nice, wear it. God's not sitting up there going, he's not your fashionista. Now, okay, listen, that's just the way it is, okay? But listen, the, the big thing, some people, I, I know people that buy cars, like we, you know, most people buy T-shirts, and I'm not against like you owning things and doing things and doing nice things or anything like that. But when you're constantly having to do something because the new has worn off and, and, and are we being wise with what we do? Are we being wise with how we spend our money? Now, he doesn't, I, I don't know if he necessarily follows God or loves God or anything. But I mean, literally about every four to six months, he's buying a, and when I say brand new, I mean brand new. Like trades in his 2022 for 2023, and sometimes halfway through 2023, he's trading that 2023 in for another 2023. I'm like, you need to lease cars, not buy them, okay? Because you get more wear out of it. But why? Because there's something inside of him that says that he his value is attached to what he drives. And if it's not nice enough or new enough, or if it's not what he likes, then he needs to switch it. And he, he buys the lie that he is what he drives or he, what he's connected to. And so we've got to put God first in every aspect of our life. You have to ask the questions, is this worth my time? Is this worth stressing about? Can I change it? I love that question. Can you change it? Because if you can't change it, what's, what good is it stressing over? Can you change it with all of your stressing and all your thought processes? How many people, when you think of a circumstance, you think of worst case scenario, right? You go to the deep dive bunny trail of the worst case scenario, and you have already played out how it's going to be. And can I tell you that a lot of times we then become self-prophetic in how that works because we cause ourselves to go down that? So why not do the opposite? And instead of trying to change it, why don't we profess with our mouth, God, you have control over this. Start to profess with our mouth through prayer. God, I want you to, to, to give me wisdom and how to handle this. God, I want you to give me the words of wisdom to speak into people's lives or, or maybe the, the, the wisdom to keep my mouth shut and just listen at times. What if we put God first in those moments? And then I love this question. Have I given it to God? Have I given it to God? Because we think that God needs our help. <laughs> well, God, God, you can sit this one out. I got this one. Sit on, ah, ah, God, it's too small for you. And he's going, nope, this little small thing's about to become something really big and you're going to blow it. Have you given it to God? Most people, when it comes to sin, do not jump off the deep end. They start with one small step. I love that song by Casting Crown, Slow Fade. 
because it says, you know, how did, how did I get here? It wasn't because I just jumped into this massive sin. It was because one little thing turned into one little thing, which turned into a bigger thing, which turned into a bigger thing. And how did I get here? It was a slow fade. I got busy. I allowed work to, to overload me. I, I allowed my stresses to get a hold of me. And so every waking moment, I filled it with something, and God got pushed out. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. What a simple statement. Give all your worries and cares to God because he cares about you. So God isn't this like, well, I created this people and I guess I should kind of be in their life. He says, every little thing that stresses you out, I'm good with. Let's talk about it. Give your cares. But no, it's stupid. How many have ever said that? No, it's, it's, that, that, that's dumb. Nobody cares about that. You're right. Some people, most people may think, oh, well, that's really dumb. Why are you stressing about that? But it didn't say give your cares and worries to other people. It didn't say ask for somebody else to carry your load. It didn't say, hey, go to your husband and wife and, and, and word vomit all over them. It said give your worries and cares to God because he cares about you. And we're asking other people or maybe even ourselves to carry loads that we're not supposed to. And we're supposed to unleash it on God. Does it make it go away? No. If you're drowning in debt, guess what? When you leave here today, you're still going to be drowning in debt. But when you give it to God and you seek wisdom, the amazing part is, is he gives you and shows you a way, not a miracle moment where, oh my gosh, I woke up this morning and somebody paid a million dollars in my bank account. I haven't found that person yet. And I'm not saying I'm actively looking, but I'm not actively not looking. Okay. But it's things like finances. Hey, well, do you put everything on credit cards because you think it just solves the answer? Do you just spend? You know, did you know that most of America, uh, on, on average, we spend at 105% of our income? Let that just settle in for a moment. So when the church starts to talk about tithe and starts to talk about 10%, we go, God, you can't have 10%. 10%. I'm already living outside of my means. How, how, can I, how can I give the church money? And then, we, and then we also get also very hypocritical and religious about it. Well, what are you doing with it? Now, listen, if there's bad things that are happening, then, then the leadership of the church should know that, and they should handle it with wisdom. Amen? Okay? It's where we trust our leadership, and we trust God. Your job is not to, to tithe and go, can I get an itemized account of every, where my money's going? I, I don't know. I know where, where all the money is going, but where your money is going, I don't know. I didn't itemize this $100 from da-da-da-da goes to this. But here's what I do know is that when we trust God with our finances, he, he, he makes a way through it and you, he starts to, can I tell you that 90% on God's of, uh, of our income is better than 100%? And it doesn't, listen, the math doesn't math. It really doesn't. When, when me and Stephanie first started out in marriage, we were poor, like poor, poor. Um, we lived in California and made pennies on the dollar. She was a Reebok sales associate, living that high life. I was a server at Olive Garden. We had no clue what we were doing. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and listen, and, and every day, every week, every month, we would, you know, we'd look at the money, and I'd look at the bills, and I'd go, there shouldn't be money in our account. But there is. 
I can't tell you how many times somebody came up and said, God just told me to bless you. Why? Because when we're faithful, God makes a way. All the time. It may not look the way you want it to. It may not even feel good in the moment, but God makes a way when we put him first. Putting God first means that you reset your life. You take out the things that don't line up with his kingdom, and then you give him full access to all of you. I want you to think about that. Putting God first means that you reset. It's not that, you know, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm going to live my life, and then I come and I, I get saved, and, and now Jesus just walks with me. Okay, and Jesus just, I'm not asking for anything else in my life to change. I'm simply inviting Jesus into my life. Not going to change anything. He's just going to roll with me. The problem is, is when you read scripture, the Bible says that, that Jesus just doesn't roll with the sin in your life. Every person that Jesus interacted with, he said, go and sin no more. In other words, reset your life. And then I will lead you where I want you to go. See, we try to, we try to lead Jesus. Come on, Jesus. It's like a pet puppy. You know, water, pet, you know, feed it. He's good. And the reality is what the Bible says is that when we reset our life, we actually get rid of the things that don't line up with his word. We reset, we go, and, we, and that's that we're, not that we're perfect. Go and sin no more does not mean perfect. It means that now I'm not leading, I'm following. Because Jesus isn't going to take me any place that hurts me. That, I should say this, that harms me. <laughs> he may take me somewhere that hurts me. Because I've got some growing to do. I've got some discipleship that he wants to take me through. He, he's got, i got some things that he wants to chisel out of my life. And he's got some habits that he needs to break. And can I tell you, that hurts. But he's not going to take me someplace that's going to hurt me. And so we've got to stop asking Jesus to just come along, and we've got to turn and, and, and reset our life and say, I'm going to follow wherever you go. See, these people have no clue what they're doing. They just know that they're part of illustrations. I just grab people, okay? Um, that's why you smart people that sit in the back. Um, but I like you people that sit in the front. Junior's like, he didn't grab me this time, okay? Um, so listen, right? So it's, it's giving him full access, and full access isn't the things that you want to change. It's also the things that you don't. We will give Jesus access to the things that we're like, I'm tired of it doing it this way. And then he goes, okay, well, if we're going to deal with this, we need to deal with this first. And he's like, ah, Jesus, I didn't give you access there. And Jesus is either full access or he's no access. The Bible says he's Lord. Lord means that you don't get to say no. Lord means he has absolute access to all of your life. And if you shut him down in one area, you will continue to shut him down in all areas because he has to be able to get to the root of the circumstance, not just the emotional feel good. So many times he's like, I want to deal with this with you. I want to, I want to deal with your struggles. And you're like, cool, let's deal with this. Why do I feel bad today? And he's all, because we got to deal with this. And he goes, hey, I'm out. You went too deep. In order to put God first, you got to give him full access. You have to be willing to say, God, I'm allowing you to reset my life and to and start to walk with you anew. He is in, he's invited into your friendships. Have you ever taken stock of your friendships and said, are these good people in my life? And ask God that, not just ask you that, because you will make excuses for the people that are in your life. Are these good people in my life? Now, listen, it doesn't mean that you don't only, it doesn't mean that you only have good Christian friends. Nobody would ever get saved or know Jesus if we didn't have people that didn't know him. It means 
are these the people that I'm going to give intimate access to my life, and are these the people that I'm going to just do some things with? And sometimes we allow people access, and because we are who we are around, the Bible says that good, bad company corrupts good morals. That's why when you hear people say, oh, they were a good kid, but what was the but? The but was who they hung out with. Because who they hung out with became who they are. And so there may be friend groups in your life that you may go, these are people that I can only hang out with a couple times a month. But the people that I'm going to roll with, my, my, my crew, they've got to be able to encourage me, uplift me. They're not going to jump into the drama with me. They're going to pull me out of the drama, slap me in the face and say, stop acting this way. I loved my friend group, okay? But we knew, and, and Stephanie will attest to this, and we're not going to name names of any of our teenage friends, but we knew people that, you know, they were just going to drag you into the junk. <laughs> the moment they knew what was going on, just, oh, here we go, right down the rabbit hole, and they'll, and they'll make it seem like they're with you. We got your back. You got my back, but you're leading me to garbage. So are we, are we taking stock of who is in our life and asking God, God, is this a good person to have intimately in my life? Or somebody who is just somebody I need to know and maybe encourage. Maybe I'm there to show them a good godly version. Do, do we give them access to these areas of our life, our workplace, our speech, how we speak, our finances, our family? Do you seek God in all aspects of your life to live kingdom-minded? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these will be added to you. How do you put God first in, in things? Do you seek him? When you hear that, do you understand what that means? To get some private time with Jesus every day and say, God, I'm seeking you. If I hid your keys in the church today, think about that. Think about that. If I took your keys, if I snatched your keys, and, and I just, I ran with them and I hid them in the church today, would you just walk home? Leave your car here? You tear this church up looking for your keys. That's what it means to seek. <laughs> when we lost Zion in Disneyland, I know, like, there's worse places you could be lost, okay? Um, we lost Zion in Disneyland because he ran away. Uh, this was not time for you to talk. Stephanie was ready to shut down Disneyland and seek him. She would have tore that place up. Nobody would have got in, nobody would have got out, and you would have been searched from the head to your toes to find our child, okay? If you've ever lost anything of value, you know that, that you will tear everything else up because at that moment, it has less value than the thing you're seeking, and that's what it means to seek God. He has more value than anything else in your life, and I'm seeking him. God, take the things out of me that do not look like you and help me to walk every day to become a little bit closer to you. I seek him. I seek his will. I seek his purpose. I seek wisdom. It's, not act, it's, it's active. It's not passive. God is not just going to do for you. He, you are seeking him out. It will not just happen. God's, God's presence, his purpose, his wisdom in your life will not just happen. So if you're waiting for God to just do, you will always be disappointed and discontent in the relationship with God. Salvation happens when you seek him. It just doesn't happen. You don't walk down the street one day and go, oh, I'm saved. I know in the South that's how we think it works. You're born into a church or you're born into a denomination or you're born into this and, well, my family's always gone to church and so I must be saved. No, 
Salvation is a seeking. I'm seeking after Jesus who died on the cross. It's free. He gives it to you. And then sanctification, discipleship. I'm going to choose his life instead of mine. Kingdom mindset creates kingdom activity. Remember, the focus of our, uh, our year, our word for the year is be effective. It is, a, it is a putting God first and then an action that follows. So I want to end with, and, and the tips are not, these are not extensive, and I'm not going to go into detail but because I think they speak for themselves. 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8 says this, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Godliness just isn't just so we can get to heaven. It's so that we can live the best version of our life here on earth. Okay? So, it's a training. I am inviting you into training days with Jesus. I know that sounds so corny. But if you don't train, you will never get the action that you want. So how do we do that? I mean, Hannah, I'm going to ask you. We can come up because we are uh, winding down. Um, I want to give you these, these, this list that I created because it is a training thing and not a natural thing. You will not naturally do most of the stuff on this list. So if the question is, how do I put God first? It, the answer is this. You will have to start doing things that you naturally wouldn't. It's not just going to happen. Just because you come to church and you, and you feel God stir something in your soul doesn't mean that tomorrow that same emotional stirring is going to be there when you wake up. So you have to create a mindset, a habit in your head and in your heart that I'm going to seek God's will and purpose for my life. Because the enemy is going to come in and he's going to go, Sean, man, you, you want to you, you wanna create, you know what, I'm going to throw 500 people in your life to get haircuts over the next week and you're not going to have time for God. Not to mention your 5,000 kids and, and your wife that's wanting everything done and, and, and all of this. I'm going to make you so busy that you forget about the Bible. He loves God. But the enemy would want him to be so busy that he doesn't have time to grow, to be the best dad that he can be, to be the best husband he could be, to be the, the amazing uh, barber that he can be where he's talking life. Now he's just worried about getting haircuts, in and out, in and out, get out, get out, get out, get out. And instead of being able to speak life to people, the enemy will get him busy. And so we have to create a habit that isn't natural. We have to create spiritual training in our life. Time and effort creates habits. Laziness undoes healthy choices. Let's say that again so that you catch it. Time and effort creates habits. This is not an overnight success story. Laziness undoes healthy choices. How did I get here? Because you stopped doing what you know to do is good. I was thinking about that this week. I need to get back into working out. I hate that word. It's an evil word. It's... But I love the benefits. I, I, I love the benefits of working out. I hate the action. But without the action, I don't get the benefits. Oh, you want, the, you want the benefits of being close to Jesus, but you don't want to put in the work to get there? Then you will miss all that God has for you. So let me give you these things. First thing is, if you need some practical tips, 
Pick a time and set an alarm. Pick a time that you will not be interrupted. If you're a morning riser, be a morning riser. And if you need that reminder, set an alarm on your phone. The Bible says that in, in, in Mark that Jesus got up every got up early and went and prayed to the Father. Me and Jesus don't have that in common. But he picked a time. We need to pick a time. Pick a time and stick to it. More times than not, pick a time and stick to it. Set an alarm and say, I'm going to give God this time. The second thing that you can do as far as practical tips of, of habits that you can create is pick a distraction-free location. I know some people like to go to the coffee shop and study. I think that's more of a modern, like, hip thing to do. It's not distraction-free. People come in, oh, how are you doing? Pick a distraction-free location and set a minimum time. I'm going to give Jesus the next 20 minutes of, the, of my day. I'm not going to worry about my shopping list. I'm not going to worry about the kids, the, what, the, the, the things that kids need. I'm not going to worry about what my spouse needs. I am giving Jesus this amount of time. Pick a distraction-free location and set a minimum time to focus on it. The next one is don't just read. Don't just check the box. Well, I read my scriptures for the day. What did you get out of it? What did you learn? Stop and ask yourself questions. Don't just read. Study it. You know, you can do more in 20 minutes with one verse than reading a whole chapter sometimes. Because if you stop and you go, what does that mean? What, what does that word mean? What did he mean by saying this? And if you've got a study Bible at the bottom, a lot of times they'll give you, a, you know, a whole bunch of descriptive stuff and you can just dive into it. Study it. Think about it. Write down questions. And then ask somebody those questions. That's a little bit of, of further ahead. Somebody who's walking the faith life out and they're like a, a couple of years, hey, listen, I was reading my Bible. What does this mean? It builds great conversation. Uh, another tip that you can do, maybe, you're, maybe you, you read scripture and you need a little bit of help, find some great podcasts. Y'all, we could give you lists of lists of lists of great podcasts to, watch, to, to listen to and watch that are Jesus-based and Jesus-oriented. Right now, media, listen, we give this away for free. Any of y'all have access to it. If you don't know what that is, it's, it's the thing that we have access. It's over 20,000 uh, video studies on every single topic. Go to our website on the very front page. It'll say Right Now Media, okay? All you do is click that link, sign, sign up. We pay for it to give to you for free because we believe in studying God's word. We believe that Sunday mornings isn't enough. We believe that the stronger you are in your faith, the more lives we can change outside of these four walls. And so I don't need to be smart in the Bible alone. I want all of us to have great uh, understanding of the Bible and, and great understanding of our Christian faith. And so podcasts, right now media, music. I love when fresh Christian music comes out. One of my favorite hip-hop artists just dropped a new album this Friday. I was so excited. Find good music that encourages you and uplifts you with God's word. Podcasts, right now media music, media in general that, that is, you know, maybe you watch YouTube. Um, we were talking earlier out there. You know, find other churches. We're not the, we are not the end all be all. I know I'm not. Find another pastor that you like to listen to. Dive into that. Life groups. Get connected. 
we will make time for every other group, sports groups, uh, school groups. Listen, I was asked on the ride home yesterday by my son, who's not even probably going to play soccer. Dad, are you going to coach soccer? You're playing football. Get in a group. Don't let the enemy lie. Well, you don't have enough time. Make time. Because it may be the group that carries you through something. You don't know what you're about to face over the next 12 weeks. Maybe you need a group that's going to carry you in those moments, that you can go and cry with, that you can go and talk with, that you can go and laugh with. Life groups will, signups will start uh, in a week or two. I encourage everyone to get involved with one. The next one is spiritually challenge yourself. Don't just do what you've always done. How's your prayer life? Maybe you need to to up it. Distraction-free prayer life. How about this? How about a fast? Some of y'all, you probably never fasted in your life, and, and it's an evil word. But can I tell you that if you do a fast correctly, when you take out something in your everyday life and you replace it with seeking Jesus, there is an absolute game changer in that. You don't have to do like the Daniel fast where you take all foods out and only eat like, you know, grass. Although I've done Daniel fast eight or nine times in my life and it really is life-changing. Maybe it's just, I'm going to take lunch. I'm not going to eat lunch and I'm going to spend time with Jesus. Kill two birds with one stone. Because you're focusing in on Jesus during it. And maybe you do it at work and somebody goes, well, why, why aren't you eating lunch? Oh, I'm fasting. What does that mean? It's just I'm replacing something to get closer to Jesus. Maybe you do a topical study because reading the scripture just the way it is is hard for you. Maybe you look up something in, in a concordance or uh, on version Bible app. Type in a topic and it gives you a topic. Spiritually challenge yourself. Can I tell you one of the greatest things that you can do? Read Proverbs. Man, you want to grow in wisdom? Read Proverbs. And lastly is this. Invite the Holy Spirit in to be your filter. Think about what the fil- what a filter does. How many are coffee drinkers in here? I'm not. <laughs> I was a little too excited. Do we need to have a coffee addiction uh, class? He's like, coffee, lifeblood. But think about it. Could you imagine if if when you woke up in the morning, you just poured some hot water and you threw the coffee grounds and just threw them into the coffee cup? Gross. Gross. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I know that's wrong. You put it in a filter. And then you pour hot water over it, and it filters all the good stuff into the cup. What Jesus does, what the Holy Spirit does when we invite the Holy Spirit into our life, he filters all of the bad stuff so that we don't get all the coffee grounds, but we get all the good God flavor. When you're walking through it, you got to ask questions about it. Get in time with him and say, God, is this good for me? Is this thing that has always been in my life, is it good for me? Is this person, is he, are they good for me? Man, they're speaking negativity and they're weighing me down. How do, I, how do I shift and change things? Can I tell you that when you put the Holy Spirit in your life, he's going to guide and direct you. The voice may sound like yours, but the answer may be completely different. People go, what does the Holy Spirit sound like? I don't know. Mine sounds like me because I'm in my head. But I know that the answer is the Holy Spirit when it doesn't seem like anything I would answer. Because I've put time with God. 
let's seek God first. Let's let him do what he does. I hope you've taken some of those practical tips and you'll start to implement them. You don't have to impl implement them all. Maybe it's one or two. Will you pray with me? I wonder if there's anybody in this room that would say, man, you know, I love God, but I really haven't been putting him first. And today I want to make the proclamation that I love him, but I need to put him first to get in my life. If that's you, nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you as your pastor. Amen. 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 God sees those hands. So God, I pray for each and every person that, is, that, that has made that. God, I pray that you would encourage them to take some steps this week. Maybe it's just one. Maybe it's setting a time and a place that's distraction-free to give you some time. God, maybe it's sitting there and going, what have I allowed in my life that doesn't look like Jesus? I'm going to put you first. And so that means I need to hit the reset button in life and I need to start following you instead of trying to drag you into my life. Holy Spirit, the word of God says that we are to invite you in. I love when Paul looks at, looks at people as he's walking through the streets and he says, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And they're like, what is that? And he says, it's how we live. It's, it's, it's the boldness that we are able to live with. So we invite you in to, to help us make decisions that look like you, think like you, act like you. So that Camden can be forever changed, not because of a church or some a, a building, but because of a people that love you. All the different ways and all the different places that we go throughout the week. God, that we would make a difference. That we would shine your kingdom. Kingdom mindset, creating kingdom activity. And that we would put practical steps to our faith. God, we love you and we thank you and we give you glory and honor for all that you are doing, all that you have done, and all that you want to do in our lives. I pray once again for our school kids and our teachers. God, let it be an amazing first day, an amazing year. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, give you glory and honor. In your name we pray, amen. <laughs>